Media family, Vladimir Praknevsky here, and welcome to episode number 27 of the Ukramedia podcast, where I serve our Ukramedia family with weekly interviews from highly creative people. Today's guest is Benjamin Brown. He's a very talented freelance motion designer in Los Angeles, California. Ben collaborated with clients such as AT&T, Access Hollywood, NFL Network, Netflix, Toyota, Hollister, the Ohio State University, Cleveland Cavaliers, Columbus Blue Jackets, and the list goes on and on. Also, if you're a UFC fan, you probably heard of Ben's oldest brother or older brother, the immortal Matt Brown. Matt is a well-known American mixed martial artist who competes in the UFC. He's definitely a tough guy. Look him up on YouTube. Ben, welcome to the show. Feel free to fill in the gaps from the intro and tell us a little about your personal life. Uh, thanks for having me. I want you to know I, I really appreciate uh, having me on. I think this is really cool. I love what you guys do. And I guess one thing to put out there is uh, me and your brother used to work together at a place in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, I know that you know that it's weird for people that only know one of you. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because when they meet the other one, it's it's like it's like the exact same experience. That's, that's so true. And I, I met you years ago. This was many, many years ago. And since then, you moved out west and Sergey moved down south to work at Fox Sports. Now, I hear that you wrote, produced, directed, and edited your own film. I believe it's called After, which I'm excited to hear more about, but we'll talk about that later. But for now, man, let's start from the very beginning, man. How did you get started in motion graphics? Uh, so, you know, I grew up in like a really small town in Ohio, like um, population, maybe over a hundred people Oh wow! Uh, called Bowersville. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, it's kind of an isolated place. So I, you know, I got into movies a lot and I read comic books a lot. And uh, honestly, my big thing growing up was comic books. Like I wanted to be a comic book illustrator. I mean, I was that kid that was like running into the store every week and getting beat up at school every day and no, <laughs> not every day, but, uh, yeah, I, I love illustration and comic books and stuff. And that was the whole reason I went to ended up going to art school in uh, the Columbus college of art and design. And, uh, I was going to focus on comic book illustration. And I think after, you know, getting through some of the fundamental courses and just kind of getting closer to graduating and having to you know, contend with realizing that you have to have a job, you know, I started to think about, I don't know, I think it started to dawn on me that it, it, once I understood what that industry was like and what that job would actually be like, I think I realized that I really didn't want to do that. <laughs> and uh, I had, I had even in college started to get into uh, video and film, but I think at that time I just wasn't really, I mean, it's just such a lofty goal to get into, I mean, it, and it's such a vague idea of like, quote, getting into movies. Uh, so I think I discovered motion graphics, you know, almost by accident. There was a, we had a class uh, for motion graphics that was taught by a really good instructor who was a co-owner of a local sort of boutique company. And you know, I actually was considering going into cell animation because I was pretty decent at that. And, you know, decent enough that if I'd have really like focused on it, I, I think I could have been uh, really good at it. And uh, I think I just sort of discovered motion graphics. And, you know, it, what's really funny is, I mean, I was so computer illiterate at that time. I think, 
you know, checking my email was still an ordeal even when I was in college. <laughs> uh, you know, I was I was so far from being intelligible about, about anything to do with computers. And what's ironic now is, you know, and I'm sure you get this, like, you know, you tell people what you do, like, you know, you tell your aunt Bertha what you do and next week she's calling you asking you like, hey, the motherboard crashed. Uh, <laughs> That's so true. Like, they, like for other for nor for people out there in the we'll say the normal world, they you know, they their perception is just, well, you do computers. So, you know, you must you must know about, you know, how to fix the motherboard of the VR chip and right. the, you you know what I mean. Oh right? yeah, totally. I mean that was half of them think that you just play video games all day, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that is true of most motion people, I've discovered. <laughs> but uh yeah, so I I uh kind of meandered into it. Uh I took the class and I think uh well I had a really uh, my professor was very good at challenging people and making you really want to do well at that, at, for whatever reason, that particular craft. And uh, I think it just struck a chord in me. And I, you know, I, I had learned Premiere before I learned After Effects. And this was before they were really like joined at the hip like they are now. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. this was like, Premiere was still like a joke, you know, in the editing world. Like no one really thought anything of it. I was probably the happiest person in the world when I, you know, found out about like their sort of pa- Adobe sort of packaging all these things as one thing now. And so, yeah, I, th- I think from there on, I, I just uh, honed in more. And it, it honestly, uh, it probably wasn't until seven or eight years into my career that I got really serious about it. And sometime after that, uh, I discovered I really wanted to, well, I really enjoyed like filmmaking and like filmmaking communities and so I've, I've kind of had a weird time of figuring out what, I mean, and I think every motion, every motion graphic person probably has this challenge of, you know, just because there's so much stuff to be learned. There's so much, you know, there's just so much knowledge to be had. Like just for example, like, at the, you know, just within motion graphics, you know, I've only recently decided, you know, what I'm going to really focus on learning more about animate uh, that used to be flash because I'm seeing that a lot of people are using that to do really amazing stuff. And I'm like, well, I think I could do that kind of stuff if I just learned this program. But it's like, you know, do I learn that first or do I focus more on learning like an external renderer for Cinema 4D? And, I'm, you know, I've been kind of doing both in tandem. And um, the struggle so is anyway, <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, I, uh, just within motion graphics, it's kind of hard to decide like what you want to hone in on. But for me, it's, it's even a little bit harder because I, you know, I kind of keep my feet in both sandboxes because I kind of, you know, I want to do more film and I still like to illustrate and do and just draw. And so, you know, I mean, I think it's not like revolutionary for me to say, you know, you should be a creator and an artist and, you know, a, a human before you're a motion graphic designer. But yeah, I mean, I, all that just to say, it's, it's it's sometimes very hard to decide what to focus on for any significant period of time. But you know what? I think all these the skills that you bring over from drawing and filmmaking, all this stuff, it only adds to your career. I mean, those are the things that what makes you Ben Brown. You know, it kind of like not everyone is good at drawing, and your, your illustration work is just amazing. I mean, you do some great stuff. So you truly 
are a gifted artist, you're more than just a designer. You do a lot of very detailed work. So I'm sure that helped in your journey, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, well, I th- again, I, th- I think you have to think of it. And, 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 you know, I'm not the first one to say this, but you, you got to, I think you have to think of everything as just part of who you are, you know, like, you know, I've, I've tried to, well, not just try to, but, you know, even within the last year, you know, I've tried to make just health and fitness more a part of the culture of being me and that, and in the same, almost in not the exact same way, but almost in the exact same way that like any creative field factors into how good of a motion designer I am, just being healthy factors into that and vice versa, you know, how much you discipline yourself and take seriously your craft as a motion designer influences how good you are at everything else you do. So it's like a, you know, like I said, I mean, I'm, I, I'm not uh, a genius. I'm not the first one to say this, but you know, it's just, it's just kind of having an attitude of forward thinking and everything that you do. No, it's true. It kind of carries over, you know, it's kind of like Titanic, you know, departments or water fills up, carries over to another. If you're unorganized, if you're sloppy in one area or the other, it's just all going to carry over. It's going to affect your work. It's going to affect your life. And totally, so, totally. So it's all about balance. Yeah. And I, I listened to uh, Sergey's conversation with uh, Joey Kornman and uh, I mean, I think he was saying a lot of the same things I was thinking. Like, I think that what you guys have done with Euchre is really a good demonstration of that, of just, you know, you, you guys are good people and good artists and good thinkers before you're... I appreciate <laughs> Well, as far as I know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah, uh, I... you're still kind of basically a Sergey clone in my <laughs> mind. So a lot of what I think of you is based on Sergey. That's true. I mean, we are pretty much copy paste. <laughs> Not far from it. We even joke around. It's like, yep, yeah, meet my copy paste, right? <laughs> Sergey. Sometimes we mess with people. Like I leave the room, like Sergey, come, come in. And people that don't know is like, oh, you're wearing different clothes. Oh, and then come back out. <laughs> even in high school, like we switched classes before no one noticed and got them in trouble. Well, it, was, it would be a wasted opportunity if you guys didn't do that kind of stuff to people. <laughs> I guess it would be funny if, if like, for example, like your brother, if we were fight or both fighters and I would jump out and he would jump in. <laughs> Never get tired. <laughs> like, man, this guy is It's like, man, it's like, I thought he had a black guy. What happened? Oh, no. <laughs> he healed quickly. But He's anyway, like Logan. <laughs> the struggle is real being a twin, man. Let me tell you about that. It's uh, it's definitely... And Sergey's very talented, obviously, Sergey. Uh, but, you know, it, it, I'm sure you can relate. When when Sergey succeeds in something, like Sergey was was ama- an amazing soccer player. He was like All-State and all that stuff. And he had a school record in goals, and I had school record in assists. But every time he sco- or scored... I felt like I scored, you know what I mean? Like anytime somebody complimented him, I felt like I've done well. It's kind of this weird twin thing, you know? So it's kind of like you both, you both are one and you're, uh, if I'm winning, he's winning. If he's winning, I'm winning. It's weird. Like he, he moved down South. I moved down South. What's that? Does he feel that way too? Yeah. I mean, it's weird. Like even when, you know, if somebody's on the field, like let's say when we played soccer, someone hurt him. I, I, it felt like somebody insulted me. Like I was just as mad. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, yeah. so that's kind of, it's weird. It's a twin thing that not a lot of people can relate, but anyway, that's, that's uh derailing from the conversation completely. <laughs> so back to your journey, man. So how did you end up uh, working at Mills James and, or did you start out there first or what was your first job? So, um, I hadn't thought about this, but you know, actually something that I think actually influenced it's worth mentioning was I, I, I worked at uh, Cedar Point as a caricature artist for one summer oh, wow. before I graduated. That's uh, a tough job. It can be. It's actually, uh, it's really fun in some ways. It's yeah. I mean, it can be <laughs> on a, 
I mean, it's a total tangent, but you know, I do care. I've done caricatures kind of on the side since then. And that has a lot of its own, you know, set of challenges. But, um, that was my, that would have been my first real, like working in anything that could be considered like creative. And, and, all, and even then, I mean, obviously that's, you know, that's not quite the same as like working at like an agency or a studio, but, but it's kind of worth mentioning because it did, it did influence a lot of the way I think about, you know, like how to handle clients or how to just deal with creative direction. And I mean, it's very similar. If you think about it, there's a deadline client is right there over your shoulder. <laughs> no, I, I'm not even kidding. It, it really is like a microcosm of like the greater creative landscape. Like, so it just, just indulge me for a minute. Like the, you know, in your experience, you know, dealing with clients, you know, like nine, probably 90% of the people you deal with are, you know, they're nice people. They like what you do. You listen to them and you give them what you think, what you understand that they want. And, you know, like in a caricature situation, that all happens in like five to 10 minutes. So if you get really good at that, then you can deal with real clients. Yeah, yeah. And 90% of people just take the drawing and they're like, oh, this is great. And in that 10% is like this very small number where you may have not, you know, you maybe didn't do, you didn't creatively execute exactly what you wanted, or you did creatively execute exactly what you wanted and what you thought they wanted, but they just don't like it. Or they, they don't like the way you drew their nose or, you know, or something like that. And it sounds kind of <laughs> silly, but I actually, I, hack, I actually have thought about that a lot, that this really is like a microcosm of the creative world. <laughs> no, that's like, that would be a great internship to have for somebody. I mean, this is uh, pretty much real world. You're right there. You have, depending how you do, you do on that project, you get paid for that right away. You get immediate feedback regardless. You know, right away, they'll tell you if they like it or don't. And oh, then yeah, yeah. Learn how know, to deal with it. Definitely. Yeah. And like I said, like 90% of the time, you know, once you're like professional at it, once, once you're at a, a good level, 90% of the time, you know, they're, they're just thrilled with what you do, but then you just get that one clever clog that is just, <laughs> it's, it's just not good enough. You know, like, no, no, no. I, I think I look, I look a lot sexier than what you drew. <laughs> so, I mean, to play it safe, just make them all look like, you know, with six pack or eight pack, whatever, make them look as good <laughs> yeah, as exactly, you can possibly exactly. can. So that way like, Oh, okay. That's what you think of me. Fine. I'll tip you really well. <laughs> Do you have any, any funny stories from that experience? Well, what, the one that comes to mind, uh, I will never forget this, you know, so like when uh, they, they, you have to be able to draw to get that job. And, uh, but you know, it takes a little while to get good at drawing caricatures, you know, it's a specific, it's a very specific, you know, specialized thing. So the first like month, you know, every new hire, every rookie, as we call them, <laughs> was, you know, you're not good at it, you know, it just, it takes a while. And you, you go through this, like, almost like karate kid style of training <laughs> to learn how to do it. And I mean, honestly, like I probably got good at it quicker than the average person. I'm not saying I'm like a savant, but like I probably got good at it faster than the average illustrator would. I think it just played into my specific abilities or style and, you know, and I was working at it really hard. I really wanted to learn how to do it. And I had some really good artists with me and, um, so surprisingly, there was one time where it all, you, you do a lot of demos and samples for people and you tell them that you're training, you know, and uh, I, there was one time I drew this little girl 
and with her mother there and it was like it all clicked you know and it was like the first time and i'm not saying it was like the greatest caricature ever and this should be on a wall in a museum it was just it was the first time where i felt like that was exactly what i saw in my head that was exactly the way i wanted it to be and it it, like it was like this really is delivering like a real genuine good caricature to somebody and you know, when you do caricatures, there's a lot of people watching, uh, usually. And so you do get a lot, you get a lot of feedback from the crowd too. You get a lot of people walking back like, Oh wow. And like, you know, and not, and not like rarely, like pretty much all the time, people are just amazed, you know, it's just this amazing skill because you're, you're drawing in real time right in front of them. Right. Right. And, um, it was one of those times and it was the first time I really got to feel like a genuine sense of like the whole crowd is into it you know, probably five or six people, they're watching, I finish it. And they're just like, wow, that, that was great. But the, and the, and the little girl loved it. And the mother was like, that doesn't look like her. What, what is that? What did you draw? Like, that doesn't look like her. <laughs> and, uh, and I stood up and I looked around and all these people were like, um, you know, no one's like in shock, but they're like, sort of like, what is she talking about? And I, and I picked up the drawing and I, I was like, who thinks this looks like her? Who thinks it looks like her? You did that. Like, just, <laughs> that's brave. And, uh, and, and, uh, all the people were like, oh no, that's a great drawing. She's crazy. And like the lady like snatched it out of my hand and she was like, you don't have to be a jerk about it. Wow. <laughs> just thinking about it is cracking me up. <laughs> now, if you think about it, it's more intense than the real world uh, working like in a design shop. Cause I mean, you have all the time in the world. Nobody's like, you know, watching your work, you know, like you were saying, the people passing by watching your work, you have to do things in a shorter amount of time. You know, there's not that much time to work with. There's a lot of pressure, money on the table. So I don't know, man, I, I would take a nine to five over that experience. So I guess if you can live through that experience, then you're good to go. No, and, that, and that's what I mean when I say, like, I actually learned a lot from that. I mean, you, you honestly do get this. There are a lot of people, a lot of very talented illustrators that I think wouldn't be as good at that because they can't take that live scrutiny. And I, for me, like, and I think this really has filtered into the rest of my career for better or for worse, like, you do kind of have to just zone out, you know, you do kind of have to just say, like, I mean, because, you know, clients, again, back to our world, they're going to tell you all kinds of stuff that you have to interpret and you're not even really sure if they mean what they say half the time or they'll change their mind like five seconds oh, later. Yeah. And like, you just have to like detach yourself from it in some sense, you know, like not, not to say that you don't care that you're not listening to them, but you kind of have to just have this attitude of, you know, if, if this doesn't work out, it's not the end of the world. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm prepared for you to walk away. I'll live, <laughs> you know. Now, speaking of clients, do you have any like worst client stories that you can share? Huh. Actually, uh, the very first freelance job I ever did uh, was actually in, while I was still in college. And I think I was interning at the time. And obviously, I mean, I only went full freelance within the last year, but at that time, just someone had handed it to me and I can't remember exactly what it was. It was some like car insurance type thing, but it was another educational experience where 
I remember that, you know, they were, it was a thing where they were going to pay half up front and then like in quarters as we went along and I had done one video, it was like five videos and I had done one of them and they acted, you know, they acted like they just totally loved it and it was great and it was kind of a unique style and it was, like I said, it was one of the first things that I had done and we were having a meeting over one of the second videos and I went in to talk to them and it was like an inquisition. It was like, um, it was basically, I mean, it's hard to remember all the details, but it was basically, they didn't like any of it. Wow. And they had already paid me twice (laughs) and they had had already like raved about the first one. And, uh, you know, it was, it was just a really bizarre experience where, you know, they were, they were like, you know, the video that they had been using was really corporate and really just, you know, just like nineties DVD corporate schlock. And they were just like, what, you know, whatever you're doing, we don't get it at all. Like it just doesn't even make sense. We, we don't even understand. And we even, we had a client the other day and we showed them the old video. Cause we just thought what you did was so weird. And, um, wow. yeah, I mean, I was just, I, it actually, um, probably years later before I truly, I mean, not that I had like, dwelled on it for a long time but it was you know probably i as i grew up and matured in the industry just you know it takes a long time before you realize that actually ken mills the owner of mills james the first place i worked at he said something once that i think is total genius he said the the client isn't always right the client is always the client (laughs) And, and it's just it's just true you know like i mean i i had that weird experience and you know, at the end of the day, like you just have to accept at any moment, things can just change. You know, it. you kind of, I think you kind of have an idea in your mind when you're younger that at the higher levels of corporation and business that, you know, everything just makes more sense and everything is just on point all the time. And that's just not true at all. Hmm. <laughs> right. Everything is just a total cluster mess. Everything and everywhere is just total chaos with just a few people holding it all together. But from the outside, it looks like it's massive. Like, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, well, oh my God. Well, you think, yeah, well, th- you're like, well, things get done. I mean, someone's got, <laughs> someone's got things together. Yeah, but. I've worked at shops. Like, I, I was a web designer developer. And man, I, most sites we worked on were like, if I could show you, like, in, if you think of it like just a real world example, they were like duct taped together, literally, like plugins with plugins. One plugin, if, if it goes wrong, like the whole think just will come down so yeah i totally totally know what you're talking about but at the end of the day somehow it all works out man it all works out (laughs) i'm curious you know you were talking about the the, that experience where they at the end they said look we don't like anything you've done (laughs) did you have to re remake the video for him what did you do at that point oh no they they um did you have to pay him back no i i I guess they essentially fired me in a way (laughs) i mean i actually don't know if they went with somebody else or what but they didn't want to put any more money into it. So I can't remember if it was that I completely walked away or Mm. if they essentially said, we don't want to work with you anymore. But (laughs) yeah, I mean, like I said, it was a, it was, it was a weird experience and it it kind of took me a long time to really, um, again, I I think you kind of have to reach a certain level of maturity just in life to really understand moments like that, you know, moments where you come to understand the, the, you know, the client is not some, master organizer that has all their stuff together you know 
they're just like anybody else, you know, and they're, and in reality, you should assume that they don't have it together because they're paying you to do this thing for them. So no, I can definitely relate. And I remember I had my feelings hurt, uh, early on, like right after high school, Sergey and I worked at this small, uh, I, I want to mention any names. It was like a, this is a biker shop. This guy was like on history channel or now is now. And anyway, and we were doing some production stuff from like, I was a cameraman. Sergey was the, was the editor. We we're producing some local TV spots and, and anyway, at the end, somehow things didn't work out with him and we ended up leaving. And the guy was just like so mad. I remember he told, now Sergey is going to make it big. He's going to do well, but you're going to be flipping burgers for the rest of your life. And dude, I kid you not after that, like I believed that lie so much that for years I worked as a server. I waited on so many tables. Like it took me a while to finally break in, in the industry because I totally believed and I was like wow this dude totally called it like I am borderline wow. bur- flipping burgers in the restaurant but it wasn't until like I remember I was working at the Ohio State Medical Center University Medical Center uh, passing trays and on, on my lunch break I would teach myself graphic design web development like one hour instead of most of the time instead of eating I would just open my laptop and watch tutorials just because I wanted to convince myself I can do this I can do this and sure enough years later I became a graphic designer and then one thing led to another and anyway but it is amazing how early on how those things you know if you don't deal with it properly it could really affect your life but enough of the bad stuff now let's shift to uh, share one best project that you worked on let's talk about the good stuff uh, the best like the best project that I've worked or the on. most memorable the one that you enjoyed the most hmm well, the, the movie uh, that you referenced earlier is... Hey, let's talk about it, because I just found out you, you took it two years <laughs> yeah, to make it. That's crazy. That would be a good segue. I mean, that, that is the biggest artistic endeavor, if you want to, or creative endeavor. I don't know how to put it. I don't know how to put it without sounding pretentious, but uh, <laughs> that was the biggest creative endeavor of my life. You know, that was two, two years of my life. And as you said, I, you know, I wrote, produced directed and there was there was another editor that helped me but we we edited it and uh and there's a ton of visual effects in it as well and uh you know the funny thing is like is that sounds like a lot but like just just saying you produced it actually encompasses a massive amount of time and stress and energy uh under that umbrella includes you know not only casting people but casting people and getting them to do it, you know, cause I, you know, I didn't have a ton of money for this. We didn't, I didn't pay anybody, you know, it was all volunteer and it was a passion project. And, uh, you know, so it, that, that is the biggest creative endeavor that I've ever undergone. How long did it take you to write the script and stuff? Like when did this, when did you wake up and said, Hey, I, I want to do a film. <laughs> How did that come about? So the starting moment was, well, I mean, I, I had made a bunch of other short films and I had kind of become ingrained in the sort of sort of filmmaking community of Ohio. And, uh, you know, so m- making a movie itself wasn't foreign to me, but making a movie this big was. And uh, I know that I woke up, well, woke up. I There's a song that I was listening to. Actually, have you ever seen the movie Warrior? No, I've heard about it. At the end of that movie, the last scene is uh, there's a song called About Today from The National. And I really was like, I loved that song. And that was the first time I'd heard it. And I loved that. That's a really great scene to a really great movie. But just listening to that song kind of provoked the story in my head. And uh, uh, at some point, I started writing it. Originally, I had another guy helping me write it. uh, But he had like 12 kids or something. So he didn't really have time. (laughs) Wow. it's a lot of kids. Uh, he, he didn't have 12, but he had a lot of kids. But, <laughs> uh, 
So eventually, like I sat down and write it myself and I went through probably three or four rewrites. And that, that was, that probably took about a year of just not always working on it every day, but consistently trying to formulate a good script and, you know, and the script changed as we were shooting even. And so, yeah, I mean, the, the first year of it was, a, a, I shouldn't say it took a whole year to write, but the whole year was pre-production and, you know, preparing for everything, locations, props, cast, you know, all of the many, many, you know, many aspects that go into a movie and then shooting it. We did the bulk of the shooting actually in within a space of two months. And then there were a few other sort of additional scenes plugged in later. And uh, yeah, it's a complete movie now. You can, if you go to uh, on Facebook, I think it's at Ben Brown's after. And I always like to tell people, it's not that I wanted to say at Ben Brown's after. It's just that after movie, after film, all, all these things were taken. taken. So that's where, I, gotcha. that's where I left it. And then on uh, Instagram, you know, there's my personal Instagram is just welcome to Ben Browntown. But uh, the there's a I have a separate Instagram called Parallel Films that has uh, it's kind of morphed into an overall film thing for me. But is um, a lot of it is uh, stills from the movie behind the scenes and stuff like that. So it's out there submitted to a lot of festivals right now and kind of just fingers crossed at the moment. And I've contacted distribution things and I'm, I, I just don't know, you know, I didn't go, this was kind of a way to learn a lot about mm-hmm. how all this works. Cause I definitely don't know. So it's hard to speak intelligibly about what the next steps will be. Now, what was one key takeaway from making uh, this movie? I mean, it took you two years. I'm sure you were very happy <laughs> with the last scene when you finally put it all together, but what's one thing that you learned from making this big movie? You know what? I think probably the biggest thing, I mean, I, I, I mean, I've, I've never really been, there's only been a few things like projects, personal projects that I haven't finished in my life, but I think I definitely, I, I don't know if it's exactly the, the answer, but uh, the, what comes to mind is just, I learned how to finish something, mm. you know, because I, because not, and again, not that I didn't already know. But that's but, a two-year commitment. Yeah, that's definitely a big lesson. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's kind of another level of <laughs> of <laughs> totally uh, finishing level. something, and it's yeah. I mean, it was a yeah. I mean, it was stressful and it was hard, and it was. I definitely didn't always feel like working on it, but you know, I also loved working on it a lot of the time. It was a pretty incredible experience, and it, there were a lot of friends involved. There were a lot of people I made friends with, so you know, there's a lot of good things to say about it. But uh, as far as what I learned. I feel like the process of just finishing and sticking with it and, you know, kind of sticking to your guns kind of makes you a stronger person in a way, I think. What one advice would you give to someone who wants to start their own film or start working on one? Uh, like if, if I were to go, like if I were to go back. Yeah, if you had to do it, it all over again, what would you do? Yeah, like uh, I would want to... Well, there's a couple specific things like about casting and like, um, you know, if you have money, you should spend it on a uh, name actor because there are a lot of Mm. actors that have, you know, even a small following that you can get for, you know, like under $10,000. So there's a little bit of that. There's a little bit of that kind of specific thing, but in more of the like aesthetic realm of like, how would you approach it differently? I'd probably pay more attention to trends and I'd probably pay more attention to genre. Like my movie is more of like a sort of personal thing and it doesn't really, 
fit into any particular, well, it fits into some genre as well, but it's, you know, it's kind of a weird abstract thing. And I think um, I knew that going in and I thought, you know, well, it's worth it for the creative execution. And I just want to do it. I didn't really have a plan for it. Maybe that's what I should ultimately say, have a plan for it. And genre has a lot to do with that. And, you know, and be ready because, and and again, I knew this going in, but be ready because if you think it'll take six months, you're wrong. If you think it'll take a year, it's wrong. If you plan for it to be, if I, if I had planned for it to take two years, it probably would have taken four years, you know, just however long you think it's going to take, it's going to take longer. That's so true across the board. I mean, even with projects, small projects, like, you know, videos, websites, like I always feel like to impress the clients, you always think, oh, it's going to take me just a week, a week. And then you're like, crap, a week in and I'm yeah, only halfway yeah. through. So that's something that and then, you're, and then you're awake at three in the morning yeah, yeah, and you're yeah. like, well, te- technically it, only, <laughs> it got done in a week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because I've been there before. Oh man. <laughs> right. What about the name after? Where did that come from? Well, I, I thought it was a cool sounding name for one thing. It does sound cool. <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, well, sort of the nature of the movie is it's uh, just to give you a little brief details. I mean, it's, it's kind of about, um, well, a fundamental pillar of it is seeing life as not, you know, a beginning, middle and end, but sort of like all one process and your moment to moment experience. And, uh, you know, the after there, is how you change in a moment to moment and what happens after uh it's i mean uh, to be to be honest like it's all pretty loosey-goosey you know lofty ideas that i tried to wedge into this movie and i and i think some of it comes through you know i mean i we uh you know we screened it uh in columbus for the cast and crew and a lot of people came out you know just in general and you know and i've shown it to a lot of people and you know i mean you get a whole spectrum of response I think most people aren't going to really show you a strong response one way or the other in general, but no one seems to have hated it. A lot of people seem kind of, not a lot of people, but some percentage of people I think didn't know how to react to it, but a lot of people, maybe even more than I expected, I think were really moved by it. We're really, um, you know, there, there were people crying in the theater. There was a few, there was a few tears in the theater and that, wow. you know, that meant a lot to me personally. But, uh, you know, at this point, I, you know, I'm, I'm not even thinking about that anymore. I'm really just trying to discuss, I'm, I'm trying to use it as a way to learn more about the industry and learn more about what, you know, what do you do after you have a movie? Because even once you have the movie, you know, that's when really the work begins and it's very hard to understand and it's very hard to, it's not it's not like being a lawyer or a doctor you know where you you go and spend 50 years in college and then you get a degree and you get placed in a residency or or a firm or you know or you pass a test and they let you in you know it's and i don't know, and even those things aren't that straightforward it's but this is even less straightforward you know like you you learn this craft and you become great at this craft or good at this craft and then you have no idea what to do with it so do you have another uh, movie uh, idea that you're working on or you're not even uh, there? Yet? I'm working, I'm working on scripts. I think I'm going to focus on that for a while and try to learn about that for, but again, you know, to balance this with motion graphics, because I make my living from motion and I do love doing that too. And there's always stuff to be learned there. So it's, 
Oh, I'm yeah. a busy guy. It's a lot to balance and it's a lot to balance with just having friends and a social <laughs> life and uh, having family and, ha- you know, getting exercise. And I know, I know that you know what I mean because totally. I think you guys are just 24 hours a day. Dude, we, uh, man, this balance thing, I, I ask every guest about, you know, how they balance their personal life. And man, it's something I'm still trying to figure out. Having two kids, I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old and this Ukraine media stuff. I do some nonprofit stuff as well. And then, uh, man, it's a, uh, it's a struggle, man. But the thing is, like, something I've learned that all these different experiences, like, you know, you may work on a movie. I mean, you wrote, produced, directed, edited, visual effects, everything. Like, that's, that's, that's you know, those two years that you work on that stuff, that's probably better than going to a film school. You learn more hands-on than you probably will in the film school. And so, all those thousands of hours invested, you can carry over to motion graphics, which will only make you that much better. So, that's kind of how I view... Oh, yeah everything like every little thing that I deal with every little problem that comes my way it's only going to make me better stronger if I look at it the right way would you agree with that oh uh, yeah absolutely and the way that you put it there I mean I I actually and and I'm not even saying this in an arrogant way I I think it really is true you know I mean I've like I said I've I've probably made and, and by made I mean you know produced or directed or had some part in or some major part in like probably around 20 uh shorts but right between 15 and 20. Wow. Now, a lot of those are like these sort of quick turnaround 48-hour films. Not all of them, but but all that just to say, you know, that combined with other other projects I've done, plus now ha- especially having done this. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've literally said to people, like, I bet I probably have garnered more valuable experience than just going to film school because, you know, I've been out there in the trenches doing it and... Again, I mean, I guess that's why I throw out the advice of like having a plan and trying to understand the industry because it turns out that, you know, just being good at it, knowing how to do it, I don't even know if that's half the battle. I I feel like, you know, there are bad actors, there are bad directors and you wonder like how, like, (laughs) you you know, I don't want to name, I don't want to name any names, but Transformers, (laughs) 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 like how, like how are people still doing this, you know, when they're, they're just panned across the board and, you know, money has a lot to do with it. And, uh, but anyway, anyway, just to say like, I, I've literally thought exactly what you just said. Like, this is like the equivalent or more of, uh, actually having film school and well, and you know, even in motion graphics, I mean, every job I've had, you know, I learned more at every job than in a in a week at a job than I probably did in four years in college and wow and I will say what I've learned since I went freelance I mean I I feel like I literally feel like I'm ten times the uh, creative or designer or whatever I don't know what the right word would be but it, it's night and day difference what what are some know? differences working from like the corporate job to now working by yourself I mean for me personally it's just working from home you're not really around creative as much. So it's, it's kind of harder in, in that sense. But what, what types of differences that I guess you've seen working freelance? Well, I think the biggest thing, and it, it's kind of hard to articulate exactly right, but the biggest thing for me is uh, it's kind of a life thing, really. Like you, I, I think people have jobs and you, you, you know, it's like you, when you have a job, it's like, okay, yes, you, you are like, willfully of your own volition for your well and for your own economy you know to to have your own lifestyle 
you decide I'm, I'm going to a job at nine in the morning. So, you know, I'm getting up, I'm go, I'm getting ready. I'm going to work. I come home from work and your entire lifestyle is in so many ways, maybe entirely like depending on who you are, like it's, it's like your whole life is modeled around mm. this idea of having a job. I mean, it's like, go, go watch fight club. You know, I mean, that's, <laughs> this is what we're kind of talking about. Like you've, You've and I'm not criticizing. I'm not criticizing like just the the concept of having a job. I mean, people should work and have jobs. Right, but right. for me, what I've really understood is like it's almost like there's this whole other person inside of me that has not been explored because you know you. It's well, basically, what I'm talking about is complacency. You know, it's it's just so easy to get complacent in a job, and I know that so uh, true. I've done that a few times. I know that, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll tell you, I, the job that me and Sergey worked at at Mills James, I actually loved working there. And uh, if, any, if any of the people at Mills James are listening, like, <laughs> you know, I, I loved working at that place. I loved the people there. I loved uh, the environment. It was, you know, it, it was uh, kind of a fun place to work, uh, mostly because I just love the people there. But at the same time, it was a job, you know, it was just a job. And I guess the big difference now is one, I don't feel like the stuff that I work on is just a job or it's not a job in the same sense. And, you know, you feel liberated, you know, you can work on whatever you want. You're not constrained to a schedule. And I feel like, you know, I could, if I had a time machine and you, and then, and I found out in 10 years, you know, you're going to be an investment banker. (laughs) You know I mean? That, that might be shocking, but I guess like uh, what I'm getting at is like in the, in the overall scope of like how you see life and how you live your life, it's just to say, uh, I like, I, for me personally, it's opened the door to just feel like I don't have to be anything, you know, I, I didn't have to be a motion graphic designer. I don't have to, I don't have to spend any more time on film. Like I, I can just do, I could literally just drive around the country doing whatever I want. And I don't, I'm not constrained to an idea of like, well, I have to make money to pay for X, Y, and Z, and I need X, Y, and Z so I can maintain a lifestyle mm. conducive to having a job. No, uh, so, true. so I don't know if any of that rambling. No, it makes I, the whole time I'm listening to. I was like, yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I feel because you know I worked, you tried pretty much everything. Worked for small shops, big shops. Now working on my own, and that's what I love about. Well, I mean, when you work like you said, when you work nine to five, you're kind of they put you in the box, literally in the cube most of the time, and you're working on projects you don't, probably don't really want to work on. You deal with people you don't really want to deal with half the time, and and but that's working for myself. When your back is against the wall, man, that's when growth happens. You have to learn how to balance your checkbook a little more. Like you don't know where your next paycheck is going to come from, so you got to be very good with clients. You got to be—I mean, there's different skills that you have to learn, and you're stretched a lot more than you would be working for for a nine to five. Like for example, I remember when I started working with any of the jobs. The first month is like the most challenging. It feels like it's stretching you, but after that, like you said, like yeah, you become kind of casual about things. It's like you know everything, and then you're bored. But not like, not in the freelance world. You have flexibility. You don't have to raise your hand to go on a vacation. You know, to a, somewhere on vacation. You can just hey, uh, you know what? This week I'm not gonna work. I'm just gonna go to the beach. So I love that flexibility, freedom, and I have kids. I can just take time and go play with them for a couple of hours and come back and work. You know that that's helpful for me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, a crazy example of that is um, it. Some, sometimes I'm like stop. I have to stop and think. Like if I get like 
upset about something or, or just down about something, I kind of stop and think to myself, like, you know, I'm a real jerk if I'm not happy right now, because my life is pretty awesome at this point. <laughs> Me and my girlfriend, we spent the last uh, couple weeks not even at home, like we were in a, a beach town in California. And, uh, you know, I was working from my laptop the whole time. And, you know, and not like eight hours a day, you know, just borderline just when I felt like it. Mm. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's kind of just like incredible to think like, you know, if if I hadn't just taken the steps to just say, you know, I'm just going to take the chance. And I think actually my brother, um, the immortal Matt Brown, uh, he, he actually said to me, you know, and, and I think this is, you know, I read uh, like I read Kornman's book. Uh, I read about half of it before I put it down and realized I just need to do this. I got this message from a lot of people like my brother and from him and other people like they basically say, what is the worst that's going to happen? Yep. You know, what what do you think is going to happen? And you know, literally all I did was say, I'm willing to be laid on my bills for a while, or I'm willing to just slum it for a while. You know, I mean, I was living in a nice place, you know, with a good job. Like I, I wasn't wanting for anything really, but you know, I just decided, I think I want to do this on my own. I think there's a big part of me that's being lost out on this. And I think one thing to really note that I've realized is our particular industry is, you know, this, this isn't like the risk of starting a restaurant, you know, this isn't like the risk. Right. The overhead is low. Yeah. I mean, I, I already had, like, I already had like everything, you know, I, I already basically had everything I needed and the industry is like already in place. The ability to be a freelancer and to be, you know, you, it's, it's almost like, it's you could almost see it as if there was like a company, this one company that just hires a bunch of freelancers and you can walk in and out of it. Like, and the only difference is it's just a lot of different companies and you're, you know, and it's not exactly the way to see it, but mm. I think you understand. No, what I totally. mean. Like it's just, totally. it's, it's not, it's not like starting like a, you know, like a home Depot type business or something like this. It really is a thing that's sort of already in place and, you know, and I, and I should actually mention that one reason I'm kind of fortunate is, well, and I don't even know if this is fortunate, but a good friend of mine, Brian Coleman, who you can check out at briancoleman.com. He's a very strong motion designer. He's a good friend of mine. And he, uh, he passed a couple of jobs off to me as soon as I got out here. And uh, there's a guy named uh, Matt Vojacek at zwellyco.com, I think is what it is. And he's another motion art director guy. And as soon as he knew I was freelance, he, he passed my name on to somebody. And, uh, yeah, so I mean, I think it's like, you know, you don't, I'm, I'm not saying all this with people should think or anyone listening to this should think like, well, if I just quit my job and put up a website, it's all going to happen. Oh, no. But at, at the moment, you know, and obviously things can always change, but as far as I can tell, like, you know, just having a little bit of balls to just give it a shot you know, again, like what, what is the worst thing that's going to happen? And even if the, and I, and I guess to go back to the original question, like the things that I've learned, it's like, even if the worst thing that happened was, you know, I'm just broke and homeless. I actually think that this has affected me mentally in such a way that 
even if that happened, I feel like I would just say, ah, I guess I'm just broken homeless for a while. And I'll, I'm okay with that. But, but even that is just so far from happening. I mean, I've, I've never met a person in my life that, you know, went out on their own and ended up broken homeless, you know? So it's like that fear really isn't even rational. But it's interesting. Fear is such a weak emotion and, but yeah, it controls and paralyzes so many people. I remember I used to think like the worst thing can happen, you lose a job, right? Especially when you have like wife and kids. And I remember the very first time that I lost my job. I remember, you know, cause we think that having a nine to five is such a secure thing. You have a consistent paycheck, but really you're just as good as your last performance. I mean, they can terminate you at any right. moment and you really don't have much to show for it at the end. When they, once they terminate you, you have nothing to show for it. But if you work for yourself, you obviously have a lot more, you know, to show for it. You know, on, on that point, um, Another example I should throw out there is uh, one of my best friends, as soon as I moved out here, he got laid off from his job and he had already been, he's kind of in the video and photography world and he had already been kind of toying with going freelance. And we talked after that happened and I was like, dude, I want to be honest with you. I think this is the best thing that ever happened to you. (laughs) I I think you, and he even had a little, I think he had a uh, severance even for at least a little bit. But I was on like kind of a high at the time of just like, I can't believe how well this is Mm. working out. But, you know, and and again, it's not exactly a one for one. It's not exactly the same industry. But guess what? Like within, I think, six months, he got hired at a company in San Francisco. He makes like twice as much money now. You know, now that doesn't necessarily go towards freelance. But to your point, like, yeah, I mean, there's this fear about jobs and stuff. And, you know, I mean, not to get political, but one thing to note here is, you know, the United States is the place I think, or it is a place where you don't have to be as worried about right. that, at least not there are right different now. organization charities and stuff that can help you out. Churches take you in, you know, <laughs> if you yeah, lose yeah, everything. Yeah. I mean, it, well, and just, and just the market, you know, yeah. just especially the creative market, you know, I mean, when the recession in 2008 happened, you know, Mills James had some layoffs, but mm. you know, uh, I, I dare say that it wasn't even like laying me off wasn't even discussed, you know, Mm -hmm. wasn't even remotely considered. So I just think like if you're, if you're creative and you're passionate and you're good at it and you work at it and you're always trying to learn, you know, if you have this attitude that I think that you guys do this really great job of promoting and I think school of motion and video copilot and grayscale all push this attitude and create these communities. And like, I just feel like, like I, I really haven't met anyone, I don't think, in my life that has that right attitude that failed, you know, that it, just, that it didn't happen to. No, it's interesting. You mentioned like how your friend lost his job and you told him how that's probably the best thing that ever happened because it's uh, it was the same thing for me. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. But at the time, it definitely didn't feel like it. You know, it's one of those things like right. we'll laugh about it years later. But until then, <laughs> I mean, the reality is I got to yeah. figure things out. But it is true. Like, it's amazing how you come up with beauties. And I should say, I, you know, before I quit the job I was at to come out here, I mean, I was scared shitless. <laughs> I mean, I, I was. I mean, I was scared. It's part of it. And I had been talking about doing it, you know, I had been telling my girlfriend, like, you know, I'm going to do it. I'm just, you know, I'm ready to go, you know, and like, I just had all this bravado. (laughs) And then the, and then the opportunity arose and I was scared out of my mind. It's only scary because it's new, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, and I didn't, I didn't want for anything, you know, there was never a time in any of this process uh, where it looked like it wasn't going to happen. And you know, and, I, and, I'm, and we're talking about moving to L.A. here, you know, which is, More expensive, you know, $20,000 a month for rent, you know. <laughs> uh, so, 
you know, again, I, and I don't think people should listen to anything we're saying. And, you know, you definitely should never say what well, happened for them. Right. Do your own research. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's, it is a risk. I mean, it's not to say it's not a risk, but I really think like, you know, and you got to be smart about it. But, you know, I had, I think I, I maybe had, I had less than 10,000 in the bank. I know that when I did it, I can't remember how much I had, but. Uh, I'm sure it went quickly, right? Well, it's hard to say because like oh, I got said, I started right getting. Away, yeah. 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 So it was, it's kind of hard to determine that, but yeah, I mean, I had to put my money where my mouth is and then just take the risk. And I just don't think, you know, I mean, I think some risks are stupid, you know, like, I don't know if you saw this picture on my Facebook recently where I had kind of a four wheeling incident. Yes. Your nose was all bloody. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Some risks are stupid. So if you're listening, don't, don't ride a four wheeler on the sand du- on the Oceano. <laughs> I thought maybe you and your brother got in a fight or something. <laughs> uh, if if that had happened, there wouldn't be a picture left. You there wouldn't be anything left to see. But yeah, I mean, some risks are stupid. But you know, again, I mean, I think given the creative world and having the right attitude, and one more time, just how conducive this industry is to freelance. It's a very reasonable risk, I think. But at least that's been my experience. And that seems to be the experience of everyone I know. No, definitely. That is. Pretty- I'll second that. Yeah. And you know what? I looked at the clock and it's way, it's like an hour almost. So I better. I, I know, I know. Are you going to cut like. No, 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 no. I'm gonna, this is great. This is great. I want to use all of it. Like I'm not, uh, I'm not going to cut halfway. Definitely. But uh, I uh, probably should wrap it up because I know you have work to do. So uh, let's finish this with how can people get in touch with you? Uh, number one best thing to do is uh, benbrownmotions.com is my website for motion graphics. You can email me at benbrownmotions at gmail.com. I'm on Facebook. I'll be friends with anybody on Facebook. I don't care. Got an Instagram that's uh, welcome to Ben Browntown and Parallel Films. And uh, uh, what's the other thing? There was one other thing I was going to say. Will the film ever be like on Netflix or live online for streaming or anything like that? In some capacity, it will, and I and I it'll definitely be within the next year. Like I said, I'll you know it's it's done. It's just it's in the mm. sort of festival submission phase, and you're not supposed to really make it live. Gosh, and when that happens, just let me know, and I'll shoot everyone an email. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, and also uh, you can check out Matt Brown at I am the Immortal on his Twitter. And um, that's right. Uh, yeah, sounds good. Well, listen, man, thank you so much for your time, Ben. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. All right, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Ben Brown. Make sure to check out Ben's website, benbrownmotions.com. All the links and resources mentioned in this episode are also available on our website at ukramedia.com slash 27. And while you're there, check out our course on After Effects Expressions. We have well over six hours of content in this course. It's something that surrogate worked for many, many months, so give it a try. Don't forget to join our online mentoring group on Facebook. Simply go to ukramedia.com slash community. We have well over 2,000 people in this group. It is a great online resource for those of you trying to grow. And it's absolutely free. Thank you so much for joining me on the journey of this podcast. I appreciate you and I look forward to serving you in the next episode of the Ukramedia podcast. Bye-bye.